Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, Kim Seltzer, a dating and makeover expert, where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. I don't know if any of you even know this, because this was kind of like another life. Well, besides being a therapist, um, that was the life even before this, I did matchmaking for many, many years. And it was, it was really fun. And I have to say, it was an interesting way to learn about what makes people tick in terms of dating and relationships. And um, one of the things that I got trained in is to look at compatibility. And so this particular company that I worked for would have clients fill out a form and they would check off their likes and their dislikes and their hobbies and their demographics. And then you know, to the best of our knowledge, we would kind of compare and contrast different clients and match them up based on their compatibility. Well, there was this one particular client, I'll never forget this. I, I really, you know, after doing it for a while, um, sometimes it would work, sometimes it would not. But there was this, these two people that I had in mind that, I mean, literally matched up in every aspect imaginable. They, you know, I I think they both lived in the same town. They both were into fitness. They had similar interests. They had even like, I think the similarities on personal views and what a relationship should look like and feel like, even down to their political and philosophical views. So I was so excited to match them. And I thought this was a slam dunk and I thought I was going to be like one and done. And so they went out on their date and I always used to do feedback afterwards and I would talk to each of the parties. So I talked to him first and he's like, you know, nice girl, but mm, just not attracted to her. And then I talked to her and she said, yeah, nice guy, but mm, not attracted to him. And I was astounded. I said, how can two people be so alike yet not be attracted to one another? And I soon realized after that, that compatibility wasn't really the only factor here. And, you know, then doing the coaching that I would do and being a therapist, I saw that there were so many other components. And in fact, what I found to be true is that chemistry was uber important and it was actually secondary to compatibility. And so that, you know, two people could be great on paper, but they might not have chemistry. And to me, over time, I realized that chemistry was really an emotional connection that people had. And then I actually developed a chemistry analysis with people that I thought was really effective. And so then I was able to look at many components in helping people because the truth of the matter is somebody could be compatible, somebody could even have chemistry, but they may not have the dating skills. So really the most successful people that I matched ended up, you know, either coaching with me and had all the components, you know, there. So um, I really wanted to have a great discussion about compatibility and who better to talk to about this stuff than the CEO of eHarmony, Grant Langston. Now he has been at eHarmony since the beginning. I didn't actually even realize this, Grant. He's been there since 2000 and he did like every aspect you can imagine. (laughs) Like you've done, honestly, I think you've run the business from 
everything since so the marketing, customer care. I think you were one yeah. of, like, were you doing like the teleprompting and the calls and all that? Like, did you <laughs> actually do the sales calls too? Well, I started here at 15. So first of all, let's get that oh underway. I was, a, I, was, I was a child when I started this company. Uh, and there are very, very many parts of it that I have run. I've done many things. Uh, I've never run the technical, the technology side. Um, but yes, I've been uh, hip deep in this business now for, for almost 20 years. Okay. But more importantly, and a lot of people don't know this, and I'm just going to like spill the beans. Do you guys know that he's an amazing musician too? You are. Mm. I, I've seen well, you. Thanks. <laughs> you have your own band. You've seen me at you work. I have. So that's, that's so awesome. Well, okay. Just a little bit. I want to, cause I don't, I know some of your story, but I don't know all of it. Like, how did you get into all of this? How did I get into all of eHarmony? Yeah. <clears throat> like, just well, yeah. So, um, I, I am a musician and I, I have played music, uh, for many years and that's always been a passion of mine. Um, but of course, musicians typically have their days free. And so I would have a job during the day. And, and the thing that I uh, did as that job was, was advertising or, or writing. Mm -hmm. um, and so I worked for ad agencies, I would make TV commercials and radio commercials. And uh, I got a call from a buddy of mine who was another musician had a band around town. And he said, Hey, listen, I'm working for this startup and they need some marketing help. They need some copywriting and someone to help them uh, position the business publicly. They have a couple of business guys and they have a couple of psychologists. Would you be interested in helping us out? And so I went and met um, Neil Warren and his son-in-law, Greg Forgatch and said, Hey, I like what you're doing, but I'm not real keen to have a, a long-term job and they said listen if you could just help us for six months help us get the site launched then that'd be fine we just need we just need some starter help and I said okay I'll give you six months and six months has turned into 17 years oh my gosh. Um, so that's how I got here um, the reason I've stayed I think maybe even a more interesting question and that is because Hmm. What you quickly find out when you work for eHarmony is that you're you're having an astounding effect on people's lives. Mm -hmm. um, you're taking people who are unhappy in many cases, uh, and you're helping them meet someone to to be their partner. And mm -hmm. those relationships um, often take root and flourish for many many years, and children result from that sometimes. And um, that's all a very, very gratifying experience. And when you think about what else you're going to do, maybe you've been at eHarmony for three or four years and you're like, Hey, I, I think it's probably time to try something else. Once you look around, it's very hard, especially in the tech space to find a job that has that kind of uh, impact, that kind of positive impact on people. Yeah. Um, you have to kind of go to the medical field to really find something that is that way. And so that's a, a real bonding agent to this business for me. They mm. have given me a lot of cool things to do. Hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you run this? They've helped me grow in a lot of ways. But I think the most important attractor is just the nature of our business. 
And obviously you are in the same kind of world and you understand that too. Yeah. It's an addictive thing to help people and to be Mm -hmm. able to see the change that you're making, that you're helping them make, um, and then see the positive impact on their life. That is something very powerful to be up against. It's so true. And I think besides that, for me, I mean, you know, me being a therapist before I went through my divorce, I had those skills and that passion and gratification that you're talking about. But it wasn't until like I went through my own journey and I then got to the other side. I was so excited to share those tools with other people. And I wondered, like, when you started, you were single, weren't you? When you first started? I was, yeah. Yeah, sure. Like, did you use any of the things and tools that you learned along the way (laughs) to get your own match? Well, you can't help it, really. I mean, (laughs) the the philosophy of this business is is a is one that um, is fascinating. We, you know, we did not let employees use eHarmony because in the early days there Mm -hmm. was a lot of capacity for us to get in the back end and and make matches for ourselves. And so it was just a policy. Hey, it'll be a lot simpler if we don't let employees use the service. But I was writing articles about relationships and dating and sharing eHarmony's perspective on those things. And and you just can't help but learn um, what are the best ways to find a mate? What are the best ways to assess a possible partner? Um, and you better bet that I put that stuff into practice. Okay, you have to. My share. wife, you know, well, it, like, I mean, there's, what's a, there's one a million thing of these things. Just like one, one thing, thing that you remember. Yeah, one here's, thing. Here's one thing. Um, and of course, a lot of this stuff seems o- obvious in retrospect, but here, here's a good one. You know, you've got you've got to experience a person in as many different life situations as possible. Oh, to yeah. really know them. And so what tends to happen is we go on a date with someone and it's awesome. And we think, wow, this person's fabulous. And we go on another date and it's awesome and another date and it's awesome. And, and that's our sample of them when they're dressed up, looking sexy, uh, mm-hmm. putting their best foot forward on a date. And if we're not careful, we can get five, six, 12 months into a relationship seeing a person in a relatively narrow set of circumstances. It's their time off from work. They're trying hard to be appealing. Um, and you just, you don't really know who they are with that kind of narrow sample. And so I learned early on, you've got to see them when they're frustrated. You've got to see them when they're joyous. You've got to see them when they're sad. You've got to see them when they've been crushed by something at work. With you no know, makeup. Uh, see them, with no makeup. See them when they're drunk. What are they like when they've had a couple mm-hmm. of cocktails? You've got to see them uh, on a hike. You've got to travel with them. And, and that lesson, so this is a little bit of maybe TMI, but I had been dating my wife for a couple of months. I was going to go to Amsterdam with some buddies. And one by one, they all said, oh, I can't make it. They canceled. And oh. here I was with this time set aside to go to um, Europe and all my friends were not going to go. I'd been dating this woman for a couple months and I just Mm -hmm. thought, you know what? Let's see her in this circumstance. I called her. I said, listen, you know, we've not been dating long, but uh, I'm going to go to Paris 
And if you can get there under your own power, then I'd be happy to treat for the rest of the trip. And no. Like, oh, give me, <laughs> give me five minutes. Oh my God. And, and now I, I know that. that she, yeah. She called her friends. Oh my God. This man wants to take me to Paris. What should I say? And they're like, go, go, go. <laughs> um, and so we did, but the, the whole point of this is to say that I, I had come to understand that I needed to see Katie in a lot of different places, a lot of different ways to really feel like I know her. Yeah. Uh, and that was a situation where I said, you know what, I'll take advantage of this uh, thing, my friends bailing on me, and I'll use this as an opportunity to see this woman on a trip. And we're going to learn a lot about each other, how we travel together, what it's like to be around her for, you know, many, many hours in a row. And that's one example of a piece of information that I learned I did not know and has been a real game changer. And I share that advice with a lot of people. That's awesome. I know we're always our own best teachers from our own experience, I find, you know, because we really, you know, come from that authentic place because it worked for us, you know, that, you know, we can give that advice to others. But that's an awesome tip. And that's so true. Like, I know a lot yeah. of clients who, who will say, Oh, my God, I'm so in love. And they'll go on like one or two dates. And it's the same date over and over again, like Groundhog's Day. And, yeah. and then they go on a hike or something after just going out to dinner the whole time. And they're like, Oh, we had nothing to talk about because we didn't have drinks, you know, or whatever it is. So right. Yeah, that's a good, good. I mean, that well, happens a lot. That, yeah. that happens a lot with long distance couples. You know, oh, they live yeah. in two different cities. And every time they get together, it's like a honeymoon. fantasy honeymoon. Uh, and they do that for four months. And they're like, we are perfect together. <laughs> like, listen, you don't know anything about what it's like to live day in and day out in life with this person. Every time you're together, it's just a, a passion holiday. So you, you can't judge this as a relationship yet. It's so true. I, I call it the honeymoon effect, actually. That, like I yeah. totally define that because, but here's the thing. Sometimes people are in a, a place in their life where the honeymoon relationships totally work for them. You know, like if you're coming out of a divorce, you don't want anything too serious. Maybe that's just what the doctor ordered. But it's like you have to be really clear about where you are and what you want in a relationship and assess if that's the right thing for you. So, cause it's so true. Like you don't see that person getting angry and having like the conflicts that they have throughout the day. It's just always so great when you see each other. It's true, but, but just be aware of this fact, right? I mean, something's happening in your brain. Okay. So let's say that you approach a, a relationship, we'll call it, uh, or a, a new person. And you're like, this is just fun time for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm coming off a divorce and this is just fun time and, and I don't have any expectations and, and I don't need to see this person in a lot of different ways because this is just like a uh, very casual hookup for me. Mm -hmm. So let's say that that's your approach. Yep. Your brain may not be in on that plan. And what happens mm -hmm. is you Good start point. seeing this person over and over and you're, you're sexually bonded to them and your brain starts to fall in love with this person and your, your best, your plans uh, may be hard to hold on to when your body starts telling you, this is, this, this is amazing. This is the guy, this is the guy. So even if you really only want a casual relationship, understand that playing house, 
so to speak, um, triggers certain things in people. And that's stuff that it's very hard to control. Uh, you know, sometimes people ask me about, hey, you know, this is a guy I used to date 10 years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. He's going to be in town and I was going to go have lunch with him. And my boyfriend is not very excited about that. What should I do? <laughs> and I always say, listen, you got to be careful because you're not in control of that stuff. You may think mm-hmm. you are. You're going to see this old lover and you think you're going to have it all locked down. But these are things that have a lot of power over us. And we don't, we're not always in, in control of, of the situation. So uh, just something to bear in mind. No, that's a good point. Well, and I know that you and eHarmony have done a lot of like research-based um you know, assessments and, and things that really do work. And that's what I, I wanted to hear about because you spoke at my conference, which was just amazing. Like you blew everybody away at my makeover blueprint last year. And you had this Thank whole you. kind of, yeah, no. And you, and it really got people thinking. And I was wondering, if, you know, if you just share a little bit about compatibility from where you guys stand, because it's more like research and scientifically based than just, you know, we coaches or therapists just throwing things out there. <laughs> Yeah, well, we we have done a lot of research projects, and I think um, the way that they work is pretty interesting. So the the most basic piece of research that the companies founded on was a a study where we took thousands of couples and we gave them a very recognized assessment of happiness, uh, each person. Mm. And when you do that with 2,000 couples, what you end up with is a a group of people that are very happy together, a group that are sort of happy, a group that's sort of unhappy, and a group that's very unhappy. So we threw the two middle groups out, and we started looking at the two remaining groups, the very happy and the very unhappy. And we said, okay, Hmm. what do these couples have uh, that's different about them? Why are these people happy, and why are these people not happy? And what we saw was that there were about 30 traits that the happy people were similar in and the unhappy people were not similar in. And obviously the, the degree varied and, you know, mm. not everyone ha- shared all the same traits, but there were about 30 things, 29 things that um, if you and your partner are similar in, they make the relationship ride easier. Uh, from day to day. And that's not to say that you need every single thing lined up just the right way, because of course you can have a relationship with someone where you have some pretty fundamental differences. Right. What tends to happen is if you have too many areas where you're different, that creates a lot of, of compromise in the relationship. Mm -hmm. Day to day compromise. And that is a form of friction that just rubs in day in and day out. And, and what can happen is over the years, that friction starts to wear the two people out. And in year six or seven or eight or 10, they just look at each other and they're like, I can't do this anymore. They don't even know why they're so agitated sometimes. Mm, but that makes it's total that sense. constant yeah. compromise. Now, we're, we're talking about very fundamental things. And, you know, my sister-in-law said to me once, I think this is crazy because your brother and I are very different in a lot of ways and we don't have a lot of friction in our relationship. And I said, okay, well, what are the ways you're different? 
she said, well, he likes, you know, action movies and I like romantic comedies and he likes Italian food. And I think it's, it's silly to go to a restaurant to make that food. And, and I, you know, <laughs> she laid out for me a bunch of very superficial differences. And, and that's a common misunderstanding of what eHarmony is trying to say. Mm. Um, those differences don't make any difference, frankly, in whether a relationship is happy or not. Um, but, you know, differences in ambition, oh, that makes a lot of difference in whether a relationship is happy or not. If she is very ambitious and he is not at all ambitious, that is an area um, that demands a compromise. Mm. And sure, if that's the only thing that isn't working for you, you sort that out and you may be okay. But that in addition to other things can start to make a relationship seem like a real tough slog. And in this day and age, when there's a lot of options, you know, people just won't be miserable for years and years. Someone's going to pull the ripcord and say, I got to get out of this thing. Wow. So ambition was one of the biggest ones. What was another one? Just out of curiosity. Um, well, um, you know, there's a, I think, sociability is another good one yeah um where you know you've got one person that loves people and Mm -hmm. loves to be out uh in the crowd mixing a lot and the other person hates it it's a it's a common difference Mm -hmm. um you know a lot Mm -hmm. of men are kind of loners and a lot of women are more social um so you know that alone isn't going to wreck a relationship but if it's one of, of many, it's a big deal. Uh, emotional energy is another one. Um, how emotional your, your, your temper is, mm-hmm. you know, um, are you a person that has a lot of energy in your, in your temperament? Are you really passionate? You know, I, I have dated women that grew up in families where they yelled at each other all the time. <laughs> and she felt like, Yelling was a very fine way to express herself. She never felt uh, that the relationship was at risk because she was yelling at me. Because that's, in her home, her parents loved each other, and they stayed together, but they yelled at each other all the time. And then five minutes later, they were making up. Um, Uh, In my home, we didn't yell at each other, right? right. We we talked like this. Here's what I think. I think (laughs) this, and you clearly don't agree with me. And so that's the culture I was raised in. And that's what I, that's how I resolve conflict. And if we're not synced up in that way, mm-hmm. um, it's very hard to change that at, you know, 45 years old. So mm-hmm. that's another area where you, you've got to sort out uh, how similar you are, or at least how different you are. And if you can live with the differences. You know, that's um, really so, interesting. So there's a few. Yeah. The, the last yeah. thing you said, and it made me think just putting my therapist hat on for a second. It's a, it's a, a, it's something that I don't think a lot of people think about, you know, that emotional energy that you brought up, because yeah. I think sometimes too, we're attracted to even the things that weren't necessarily good for us. Because I know like working with clients, when I take a history sure. that there was a lot of maybe verbal or emotional abuse and who do they pick? lo and behold, but another verbally and emotionally abusive person. And, you know, we, we are constantly, I think, attracted 
to something that is familiar with us, good, bad, or indifferent, right? Yeah. So yeah. even though, like to your point, it may not be compatible, it's something that's familiar. And that's where I think people get tripped up. Like I think that's where sometimes relationships fall short and they don't understand like why they can't meet that the good guys or can't meet the good girls because they keep getting pulled back to that thing that they know and they're trying to like replay that old tape and make sense of it. So that's absolutely interesting. Well, you know, all of this, all of this is assuming a certain amount of emotional health, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Good point. And, and I will tell you that some of very early uh, versions of eHarmony um, tried to do some basic assessments of, of, of emotional health. Right? Mm -hmm. Is does someone mm -hmm. have a personality disorder? And in the very early days, we would try not to serve that person because we didn't feel like we could do a very good job of matching people who come to this with a lot of of damage from perhaps a very rough upbringing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've tempered that through the years, and we don't don't really do it as much anymore. But you know, some of our initial concerns were, well, if, if you are, as you just described, if you were searching for something, not because, uh, if you're searching for something because it's a, a pattern from your childhood that is toxic for you, but you just are compelled to search for it, that, that throws off some of this stuff. Um, and it's something that, of course, people need to be aware of and sort out. I have a, a friend, a dear friend who you know, she's just attracted to terrible men because mm -hmm. her father was kind of a terrible guy. Mm -hmm. And she has had to learn the hard way. Wow. You know, nice, good, honest, sweet, loving men are boring to me. Yep. And that's yep. because my father was dangerous and terrible and thrilling. And he was my dad and, and I, I couldn't help but love him. And so I've been my picker's broken is what I like to, yes, to tell her. Yes. And she's had to do a lot of work to fix that. Yeah. Well, and you know, what part of that is, is that that's how in her brain love got translated, right? So yeah, that yeah. impact, even though it was negative, she was gravitating towards that with somebody else because that's how she interpreted that feeling of love and, and attention, even though it wasn't good for her. It just still, that's all that she knew. And it's a, such a subconscious thing. So, I mean, oh my God, this could be a whole other podcast, I think, because it's an interesting yeah. thing. And then, and then I think along those lines, what we're talking about too, the emotional energy and all this um, emotional health, if you will, that leads to my point that I started with is that I believe that's where chemistry lives, that I think people get emotionally connected and drawn to somebody because a lot of times people think chemistry is just physical. Well, there, I believe there's actually four parts mm -hmm. to chemistry, mm -hmm. but um, mm -hmm. there's emotional, there's intellectual, there's spiritual, and there's physical. So there's, you know, we have all types of, but the emotional, I believe is such a big pull. And I think if you can get two people to really have that with each other, you can overcome even some of the other domains. So what do you think about that? Like in terms of chemistry and mm -hmm. like the compatibility, have you guys done any research on that? We have. And if you do reading on it, boy, oh boy, it, it is a real, it's a rabbit hole. Um, uh, there's yeah. so much, I mean, there's so much we don't understand about attraction that it mm -hmm. is 
it's it's really amazing. So so let's just talk about one thing that everyone thinks they understand, right? Physical attraction. Well, at least mm-hmm. I know what that is. No, you don't. No. A lot of the research, <laughs> a lot of the research suggests that much of physical attraction is your body sorting out genetic health. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. we know that people who are perceived as beautiful mm-hmm. are people who have a lot of symmetry in their face. And that is uh, supposedly an indicator of genetic health. I've read a study that shows that women are attracted to the scent of men who have very compatible DNA uh, situations with them for reproduction. Mm. You know, all of this is about making new people (laughs) at some level. Yes. We don't have an interest in that because we're uh, not interested in it. Our bodies don't know that. And all they know how to do is to be attracted based on how healthy will the offspring of of me and this person be. Mm -hmm. There's a whole universe of attraction just in body movement. And, you know, that's one of the reasons that when we show people a picture of a person and we say, can you rate this woman on how attractive you think she is? And then we march the woman in the room and let them talk for five minutes. And then we say, now rate her on how attractive she is. The rating always goes up, goes up a mm-hmm. point or goes up. Because when you're standing next to somebody, your brain is doing a lot of calculation you don't even appreciate. Smell, big part of it. Uh, yeah. Watching body language, big part of it. Hair, uh, you know, movement. It, it's all being factored in. And so we all think we know what physical attraction is and that we have a handle on it. Well, I have a type, you know, I like blondes and I like tall. We think we understand that we have no clue. (laughs) All we can do is really get in a room with somebody and let our brain do what it's been doing for a thousand years, which is assess and tell us, do I have a, a, a physical attraction here? That's really all we can do. And then you've got, of course, and you, I think you're right. These other areas, that are impacting that. Nothing can can harm my physical attraction to a woman more than to listen to her for 20 minutes and, and understand that she's not the kind of person I like. Yeah. <laughs> um, all of a sudden, I'm not physically attracted to her anymore, right? Exactly. Okay. I so love what you just said because it, it actually kind of um, highlights the stuff that I teach. Well, you know me, I go out in the field and I do these wing girl, you know, sessions with people and I teach my whole approach is helping people be more charismatic. And within that I work on social intelligence, emotional intelligence, and what I call style intelligence. And to your point, like what you just said, people always think they know what they're attracted to, but when I tweak a few things and, and some of this, and, and what I love about charisma and some of these things is that they, they can be tweaked. You can actually learn to be a different way. Like even with body language, like just tweaking a few things about bo- with body language, it can go a long way. There was this, there was this guy that I was working with in the field. This, I love this story. Every time he was talking to an attractive woman, he would take his right arm and he'd put it across his body and hold his left arm. I don't know if you can picture that, but it was like a very almost, mm-hmm. you know, infantile stance. And so he looked yeah. like he had low confidence every time he would talk to a woman. I saw it once, then I saw it twice, and I saw it three times, and I said, we got to talk, Doug. He's like, what's going on? I said, 
well, do you know that every time you talk to what you deem as a beautiful woman, you do this? And I showed him the stance. He said, oh my God, I had no idea. And what we determined, this is fascinating, is that when he was five years old, he had a very dominating mom. And there was something about a woman in, in her power. And in, in for him, it was just attraction where he became insecure. He would become that little boy because he would do that when his mom would reprimand him. And there was this like, yeah, association to when he felt insecure. So the minute I told him about it and made him aware of it, then I helped him shift it. And, and every time now that he started talking to a, a woman, he stopped doing it. And then the conversation got better. And she started, you know, I could see like better engagement between him and a woman. So it's like, yeah. I, it's very interesting and cool that also like all these components of attraction. So. Awesome. I think it, 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 it's awesome that that's true. It also sometimes feels, you know, I, I've had people say to me, well, look, I, I don't want to be fake. Right. Yeah, You're asking me to do so-and-so. Yeah. I, I, I got to be true to myself when it's like, mm-hmm. no, no, you don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is a dance, right? Yeah. This is a dance that's been happening for a thousand generations. You're trying to be attractive to somebody. And the fact that you, like to wear sweatpants and and t-shirts uh has no bearing on this dance you've got to you've got to be uh appropriate for this and you know if you like to scratch your chin a lot you can be aware of that you can just be aware and uh that will have a curative effect I, i know we've talked about the fact that a lot of women who are business um, successes bring kind of a male energy to the date um, mm-hmm. that is is off-putting, right? I mean, and, and they don't even think about it. They're just rolling probably from their office into their date. And, yeah. you know, at work, they're in charge. And in a date setting, they, they can be very masculine in, in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that if you're aware of it, it, it just dissipates just the fact that you're aware of it. And there's a lot of those, those kinds of changes. Yes. And I see that firsthand, like, you know, it's, and then on top of being aware of it, then teaching them what to do about it, because like, it's one thing, oh yeah, I know I carry a lot of masculine energy, but I don't know how to change that. And for you listening, I want to assure you that all this stuff can be learned. I mean, it can be changed, but like Grant saying, you have to be aware of it first. And so, oh my God, Grant, I gotta go on and on with you. (laughs) I just realized we probably should wrap up. But I want to recap some really important points that you said, because I think there's a lot of takeaways in our conversation today. I mean, the first thing, and I love, and that comes from a personal tip, is that, you know, when you are looking for compatibility or somebody right for you long-term, definitely take a look at them across settings. You know, everyone can look really good upon first impression, or conversely, it can be a bad thing too. But you got to give people multiple chances if there's enough there that you want to just see. And for those of you who make quick judgment calls, I encourage you to do at least two or three dates to see if you can even get outside of yourself to do, you know, not such a quick judgment because people can change 
across settings. So it can work both ways. That's a great tip. And then the other thing that came out of the research, I, I think that's so fascinating, is that compatibility isn't necessarily, and that was my bad when I was trying to match those people early on in my matchmaking career that I'm like, oh, they're both into fitness. It's not necessarily the superficial things. It's, it's stuff like ambition and sociability and emotional energy. Um, and the other thing is looking at, you know, just the physical attraction and empower all of you to know that there are things that you can do to get a different impact and effect, but you have to be aware of some of those things. And if you have patterns and who you're attracting in your life. And like what Grant, what you were saying, like, you know, some of the people have bad patterns. You can't change the people that you're attracting. All you can do is look at you and change things about you so that you get a different result. So anyway, yeah. that was super fun. Grant, thank you for coming on. You have to come on again. Oh, I love it. Anytime <laughs> you want, Kim, always here for you. Yay. Well, and I will say Grant is also an awesome friend. And so I've been cherishing our connection and it's been great over the years. So um, do you want to just let people know, is there anything that eHarmony has going on that you wanted to, you know, shout out about? <laughs> Among <laughs> oh, the many there's things. always a zillion things. Yeah, um, yeah I, I guess, first of all, I would just say go to the app store and download eHarmony and check it out. You know, we've made a lot of changes over the last year and improvements to the service and the, the app. And I think um, it's probably better than ever. I think I'm feel good in saying that we're, uh, ready for a fun 2018. We're going to do some things like humor matching and, uh, other kind of groovy changes. So, uh, I think it will be more interesting than ever, uh, to meet somebody on eHarmony. I love it. So everyone check it out. And thanks for joining me today. This has been the Charisma Quotient. I am your host, Kim Seltzer. And remember, you can build confidence, make connections and find love from the outside in and make sure you go to my site. I have a lot of things coming up, including a dating makeover, sexy retreat. You'll have to check it out. So it was really fun today. And I will talk to you next time.